0: Hello and welcome to the Clean Bill of Wealth podcast for Canadian doctors. I am your host, Galen Nuttall. Join me as I interview doctors and related professionals and talk about what it takes to achieve wealth in this, the Great White North. Not just wealth is measured by a bank account, but also family, faith, and health. Be sure to go to galenhelpsdocs.com. That is G-A-L-E-N. That's how my name is spelled helpsdocs.com to get access to my free video series where I uncover the top myths about growing your wealth as a doctor north of the wall. Now, please enjoy the show. Welcome to A Clean Bill of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Galen Nuttall, and tonight I am here with Ray Woodhouse. Ray is a third-year medical student at Queens University. She is also the 2021 class co-president, and she is currently uh, at Queens University. So welcome, Ray.
1: Hi, thank you.
0: perfect. thanks for being on the podcast. No problem so what i 'm interested in knowing about is um you know I'm very I'm, I, so we met a bit ago, we had a conversation, and then you agreed to be on the podcast and One of the things I mentioned to you was that i'm I know quite a bit about the all right I feel like I know a lot about what it 's like to um, Once someone's a doctor like a practicing physician because my dad's a physician. I grew up with that and I know a bit about residency because I have some clients who are residents but I don't know a ton about med school. So I I felt like when we met you gave me a lot of insight into the reality of what it's like to be in med school and um, what I was hoping to hear. So first off just a bit more about you. I'd be very interested in knowing you know for me becoming a doctor seems like a very long and journey journey. And I feel like it takes a certain level of passion or dedication. So first off, uh, Ray, I'd be interested in knowing why did you decide to become a a doctor?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really great question. And for me, it wasn't always super obvious. I think there's a lot of people growing up who know that they always want to pursue that field. And for me, it really wasn't that case. I started university in biochemistry and I loved science and I loved learning. Um, and then when I really started to think about, okay, where do I want to go from here? Um, medicine just kept coming back as a career that seemed to encompass everything that I was passionate about and I could see a future for myself in. So the idea of combining like education, um, science, caring for people, uh, constantly learning, um, it really just seemed like the the perfect uh, career. And so that's why I ended up picking it.
0: Very cool. So it seems like it encompassed a lot of your passions around learning people, science. Like, is that fair?
1: Oh, definitely. It just, it provided me with all the different opportunities and it was so multi um, multifocused that I thought it would be really interested in, interesting in and in something you could never get bored of
0: got it yeah for sure and you said that it wasn't always apparent like that wasn't always like you kind of came to the conclusion that this would make sense do you happen i'm just curious uh, do you happen to come from like a family of physicians like cause i know a lot of people it's like oh you know you know dad's a doctor mom's a doctor or, like it just seemed like the thing to do um or is it more of very much of a discovery for you
1: i definitely do not come from a family of physicians some got of it. my aunts are are nurses but um my parents did not work in healthcare whatsoever um And I actually was thinking about this the other day, and I think I only knew one doctor growing up, and that was my family doctor. Um, So it definitely was not something I had a lot of exposure to, and perhaps that's not why it was super evident to me beforehand. And so it was when I got to university and I started talking to my classmates um, who were interested in medicine that it, it really became something that became interesting to me as well.
0: Very cool. And I think it's, you know, um, you know I was planning on being a doctor for a while. I was going to drop out of my liberal arts school. I did a, a summer semester at Johns Hopkins. I was doing some pre-med credits. And for me, it's kind of funny because my dad is a doctor. And he I don't think he actively told me not to become a doctor. But I kind of had this sense of like, you know, Galen, you know, you really got to want this to do it. And um, so I am fascinated when people end up making that decision. But also the doctors I meet. It's like, there's such a variety there that I feel like I could probably meet one, like younger, I could have met one and said, Oh, I really want to do that. And I might've met another one and said, Whoa, I really don't want to do that. (laughs) You know, like, but it probably depends on, I mean, for me, it's depends on the setting I've met them in. Um, You know, like I, well, it's also like I did some internships in the States. It's a different environment down there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's pretty cool that you went through that discovery and like you were talking to your classmates and that's what made you um, kind of come to this conclusion. and. So as a, as a medical school student, um, you're in your third year Mm -hmm. and, you know, is there anything around general advice? Like we're going to, I know we're going to talk a little bit about financial uh, a little bit more specifically, but you know, I feel like right before I hit record, you were telling me about the next couple of weeks of your life and it seems like you're traveling and going all over the place, doing all these different things. And like you said, you know, it seems to me like one of the things you like about it is you can't get bored or it's hard to get bored. Um, yeah. Do you have anything like anything that's helped you kind of get through it or any advice you'd have for someone starting out of, you know, of handling what I consider to be a pretty rigorous, uh, you know, workload and course load?
1: Definitely. I think someone gave me this advice when I first started and it's just become more and more apparent that it is true is that you the year you're in currently is the most time you're ever going to have. So enjoy it. And so in first year, you have a ton of free ton of free time. I'm doing air quotes right now. There's not a lot of free time. Um, but by second year, you have even less. Third year's less, fourth year's less. So if you're just starting off, like really enjoy the downtime that you have. Don't feel like you need to cram it with studying or um, too many extracurriculars, like just enjoy the time because yeah, as you said, it gets busier and busier. Um, but at the same time, I would also say, fill your time with things that aren't necessarily medicine. Mm. Um, if you felt like you were a well-rounded person beforehand, don't lose that part of yourself. Continue to do the things that you love to do, even if it's just less frequent. Um, and then the ultimate thing, the thing that gets me through it all is, is my friends and the, the group mm. of people that I met in first year, um, and who I continue to be close with, but also the classmates that I maybe wasn't as close with, but who I see in the hospital, kind of we're consulting each other and it's just so exciting to see your classmates thriving and being great at what they do or having a really bad day and you can just vent about it together. And so I think it's the camaraderie within your class that has really helped me um, manage clerkship.
0: Very cool. And I like that you said, you know, fill your time when you do have that free time and you said air quotes, you know, like free. (laughs) time, like quote unquote, um, you know, do it with the things that you did before, you know, like don't don't have don't discard those those hobbies or dis or um you know likes or side side Mm -hmm. projects. And I definitely see that. Like I follow a lot of um Instagram accounts for different like societies of physicians or you know different people who consult with physicians and there seems to be a lot of that of you know uh certainly when people are applying for different exam like tests and taking different exams like they, they talk about how stressful it is, but also how, like, it seems to me like there's a, a fairly big, uh, you know, concern or fairly big body of dialogue around, uh, how to manage the stress Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: how to stay grounded. And I, I think that's a good thing. Um, like a long time ago when I was considering becoming a, physician and I did an internship at a hospital in New York City called Bellevue and I remember it was almost like a badge of honor for some of the doctors how much or residents uh, that how much time they spent there and how little free time they had or how they didn't see I wouldn't say badge of honor but it felt that way for me like oh yeah I never see my kids or I never do this and I was just like oh my god like I can't do that but I didn't realize that not everyone was like that like not everyone lives like that and um, one thing I didn't mention that I was going to talk about but it's popping up in my head is around that you know, you mentioned your classmates. So, uh, you know that that um, camaraderie helping you stay grounded. Is there anything else around, sort of, you know, staying? I don't know if "grounded" is the right word, but like, kind of keeping your identity and like not losing yourself in what's happening. I feel like that could happen in that sort of a situation of so much going on.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if I have great advice for that because I think I'm still also figuring it out for myself.
0: Right. <laughs> um,
1: but I think part of it for me has been accepting just that some weeks I'm not going to feel like myself and some weeks are really going to suck,
0: yeah. but then
1: trying to like plan something exciting for the end of a really busy week or finding little ways to kind of reward myself throughout the week when you've just been working like crazy and, or been having a terrible day. Um, just like knowing that it's, it's temporary, um, I think is what helps me. And maybe that's not great advice, but it yeah. <laughs> works for me. Uh,
0: yeah. No, that makes um, sense. Like. Yeah. yeah, go
1: ahead. I just yeah, just I think just accepting that like you're not always going to feel great. Um yeah. but that's temporary and life will go on and right. we'll hopefully get better, but you can make yourself feel a little bit better by surrounding yourself with good people and trying to know who you can lean on and and uh what makes you feel good even if it's just a couple cup of tea at the end of the day. Something positive from every day.
0: Got it. Very good. Yeah, kind of a this too shall pass sort of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, And then you did mention uh, before we hit record that you do enjoy reading fiction. Um, Is there anything you've been reading recently that's really awesome that uh, has uh, um, resonated with you?
1: Um, Well, over the Christmas, I managed to do quite a bit of reading, but I read this one book uh, called The Nightingale, which is about these two sisters in France during um, the Nazi occupation of World War II. And I thought that was really cool because it was about, a lot of uh, female empowerment and such, but I'm actually currently reading Michelle Obama's book. So I guess that's not fiction, but it's not it. academic. Um, so I'm really enjoying that. And also another really female uh, driven story. So all good things.
0: What's it called? Jordan's story?
1: No, uh, Michelle Obama. Oh,
0: sorry. Got it. Got it. I, th- I thought I heard something else. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, her book, um, pretty sure my, yeah, my wife read it not too long ago. Michelle Obama's book. Yeah, and it's
1: Be- Becoming, I think it's called. Becoming,
0: yeah. there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And yeah, for sure. I mean, I find it's kind of funny. Like I like to read, I love to read, but I typically read things like, I feel like I'm almost like cheating when I'm reading something that isn't going to directly help me in my business or my, my, my profession. Um, But the other day I found an old book that was sitting in, like I have this old box of books, books I read when I was a kid and I found one. It's been kicking around my house for a very long time. And it was one that I read over and over when I was a kid. And it's like a short fiction book. And I finally was like, I'm going to read this. And it felt really good to sort of like let myself uh, like take a mental break from what I'm doing and not feel like guilty about not reading some sort of a, you know, financial uh, literature thing.
1: Definitely. And that's actually something that, I started doing this about a year and a half ago and I've done it every night since is that I read every night Oh wow. non-academic and often it is half a page because that's all I can manage before I pass out but I just think it's such a great way for me to end my day um, and I used to just watch Netflix before bed so I suppose it's the same I'm getting the same amount of sleep just being more productive um, but I've been able to read so much more and I really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it adds up like, uh, yeah. you know, if even if you just I yeah, like I, a couple years ago, I decided to read 20, 20 minutes a day and I was amazed at how many books I, I ripped through in just 20 minutes a day. It was really mind boggling. Um, I also did a lot of audiobooks too, which helped me while I was doing other things, but cool. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, so to talk, when we met, uh, you talked a little bit about some, uh, in the realm of financial advice and, you know, some, You've you know as as a student you've got people coming to you and giving you advice around finances and you said something very interesting to me around uh, certain certain advice that you felt was a little bit out of sync with your reality or a little bit difficult to manage can you or that it wasn't super helpful and uh, could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. So I think what I was kind of talking about is we've gotten some financial talks um, where ultimately I walked away and the message really just seemed to be be careful what you spend your money on because a $5 coffee today costs $50 at the end of your four years. And I remember walking away from talks like that, just feeling like I was so patronizing and not um, in in touch with with our current reality because, well, one, I'm smart enough to know that interest accumulates and I understand how that works. But the reality is we spend so much money that's not optional. Our tuition is like $27,000 a year. We spend... Hundreds of dollars every two weeks to apply to electives, and then you have to fly to those electives, pay for accommodations while you're there. Wow! Let alone then when you try to interview for residency programs, it's the same thing. Um, so there's so much money being spent that's out of our control that my five dollar coffee one day, <laughs> the only thing getting me through a 15 hour shift, that is not what you need to be talking to me about in terms of my my financial well being, and that I think just compounds so much stress. Yeah. There's so much things to stress about already that your finances really don't need to be one. Yeah. Like spend responsibly, but sometimes you just need a Starbucks and that's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's a really good point because that is one thing that boggles my mind is, uh, like I said, I have clients who are in residency and, you know, I I have a client in particular that I'm thinking about who's just a master budgeter. Like she has everything budgeted, like more than any client I've ever had. And I'm always amazed at it. And you know, I got in touch with her a bit ago and she's like, oh yeah, Galen, you know, this year's an expensive year. I had to pay, I can't remember the exact number, but I think it was like $4,000 for... for her
1: MCC part two.
0: That sounds about right. <laughs> You'd know yeah. it. And I, I was floored. I was like, you know, I was just like, goodness gracious, like a $4,000 check, um, you know, while you're a resident. And I know that's just like, like you're saying, like the yearly tuition is in med school. Like that's a drop in the bucket for in a certain respect. Um, but like, just like, yeah, you know what? I budgeted really well, but yeah, there's this exam coming up this year. Things are going to be tight. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And then, I mean, and I also have met uh, doctors who are going to specialize. And sometimes there's a little bit of stress around, Oh, this specialty is a little bit harder to find uh, work in. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's, and it, and sometimes it changes while they're in school. Like, Oh, people are shifting away from this one thing because it doesn't seem like there's going to be as many in the future. And I'm like, wow, that's got to be tough too, to sort of manage as you're uh, studying. And I mean, the last thing I'd say is, you know, like you were saying that you've already got all these stressors, you've got all these finances that are out of your control that are very massive such mm-hmm. that, if, and you said like, we understand that interest compounds like, yeah, in a perfect world, I'd take that $5 invest it, or save it or whatever and not owe any money, but it's hard. And it's a big thing that I end up talking to, uh you know my clients about is the whole debt versus investing or paying Mm -hmm. off debt versus saving like it's a tough thing to to talk about and partially because it's a very emotional thing to have debt for so long even though you know there is like this light at the end of the tunnel where you're going to be able to pay it off but it doesn't make it i feel it doesn't make it all that much easier to just be sitting on um and like i don't know i kind of like your mantra of like it's not always going to be like this um
1: yeah (laughs) No, what I find interesting is—is is you were saying you're shocked by some of the expenses that medical students and residents have to incur. But I think what surprises me is how shocked some of the older physicians are because things have really changed since they were in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, tuition has like quadrupled in the last twenty years. I don't know that for sure, but something along those lines in yeah. terms of numbers. And then there's all these added expenses that they didn't have to to to, re- to um, deal with. So I think. Mm-hmm what I find interesting is when there's such a disconnect between the people who are preceptors and who are the administration of the university or of our school of medicine who have no idea that we spend this money. And so that's what I find really interesting is that they are, they are shocked.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because it's been so long, things have changed and it's not like they're, it's not like they're in the thick of it, writing these checks or seeing people write these checks. And yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I, I was getting ready for a talk a bit ago and I messaged a friend of mine who's in med school and I said, hey, can you just give me an idea of what your line of credit looks like? You know, I'm thinking she's going to have to look things up and she texted me back within minutes with like, it's this much. Uh, I it's this much, you know, like she knew the numbers down to like everything, like the percentages and everything. And, um, when we met, we talked, you talked a little bit about this and you were saying that when you're in school, you feel like, um, what you've noticed is there's people coming from different levels of financial savvy kind of based on either what their parents have taught them or what they're, uh, what they've kind of learned along the way. And it usually is parents because schools don't really teach a lot of this. Um, you know, and you did say something interesting around that of like kind of being, um, aware of these differences.
1: Yeah, so I think coming into medical school it's like you come in either with with money, you're in the plus, you're neutral or you're negative hmm. um, in terms of finances. And um so that's like one one area that coming in people already at different financial um levels and so that's going to influence um their perception of finances. And then also depending on what your parents did or what um, their financial realities were, you may or may not have been exposed to the concept of investing money. Right. Um, in my family, my parents always said, you're going to have to be smarter about money than we were because we never had any money to invest. Got and it. so I feel like I'm kind of navigating this um, mm. financial world somewhat independently, yeah, obviously with their, their support, but they're not able to give me any advice or guidance. Whereas I have, uh many classmates whose friends are or her parents are accountants or um ran their own businesses. And so they can just impart that wisdom um kind of naturally, or are my classmates grew up being exposed to those realities um, when not all of us were were quite as privileged. And so I think um for those of us who didn't necessarily have that informal education growing up, um, we have this kind of extra burden of trying to figure it out um kind of by ourselves or or have it knowing that we have to seek out the additional information.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because for some people, it might just be like a dinner conversation. Like, oh, hey, uh, you know, today I got a student loan or my loan went up or my rate went up. And the parent might say, well, you know, you can negotiate that or, you know, you should go in and like, you know, talk to them. And other parents might just say, well, OK, like, yeah, know, that's probably the way, the, you know, the way things are.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, at the end of the day, you know, like you were saying, um, that even even when parents are financially savvy, a lot of times they may not know, and I mean, this is a long ways away for a med school student, but, you know, what I, what I really look at people with are like some of the major shifts in finances that occur during a doctor's life. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. going from med school to residency, uh, you know, there's a shift there, um, where, you know, a lot of my clients still aren't, you know, it's still a very tough go and they're not making a ton of money. And then the biggest shift being from resident to practicing physician where, and there there's like this, I feel like there's this window of time where they make, it's an opportunity to make some really smart choices around money. Um, where, you know, people go from, you know, their income goes up substantially, potentially in a very short period of time. And just understanding what it means and what to do properly with that. And then the next big thing is um, incorporating, like at some point a physician incorporates, and then there's a whole new series of issues. And what's fascinating for me is that there's very few places, like when I started working with doctors, and I started figuring out how to advise doctors, there was very little out there as far as like concise, understandable literature or anything around that. Because most of what's being generated out there around financial advice or, you know, newspapers and TVs, like they're not going to talk about such a narrow specific group of people, because they have to talk to, you know, the majority of the people that are watching. And so I find that it's usually stuck in places like that are like, I'll just give an example, TFSA versus RRSP. You know, if I were to Google that right now, there'd be a million hits. A million Mm -hmm. articles and for a doctor that's not really all that important like it is kind of but it's you know most doctors ask me like how should I pay myself you know like because once they have once they have a corporation they're like I am confused as to how I should pay myself or how much should I keep in the corporation so um, it's a whole it's a whole different ballgame and so if someone doesn't have parents who are doctors or have a business they wouldn't really understand or know a lot about what it even means to have a corporation um, yeah and yeah. it's
1: interesting because i I originally was kind of thinking, you know these are things they should really be teaching us in medical school, but then, as I did about it more, and'm I was thinking when when are they going to teach us <laughs> you don't have any extra time like what are you going to remove hypertension from the curriculum so that you can talk about how to how to run a corporation? No, so I think the reality is is that it's either part of your residency kind of exposure and you learn kind of by proxy or um you have to seek out the information for yourself or you just live in ignorance, whichever one you, whichever (laughs) path you pick. But, uh, yeah, I think it's challenging for us to learn it in medical school because of the reasons I previously mentioned, but then also because it's not applicable to you for another like six years. So why, why would you bother retaining that information when it doesn't, it doesn't apply to you immediately? Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think there are, There needs to be places for physicians to learn this information um, because it's definitely not going to be during medical school.
0: Yeah, no, that's really funny because um, I I gave a talk a bit ago and I I think I titled it, you know. The three things you they should have taught you, and I may have said medical school, medical school, like the three things they should have taught you about money in medical school, but didn't, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I should probably just change it to school or something like that. Or the three things doctors wish they had known earlier, because that I can totally say what that is. Like when I meet doctors in their fifties and sixties, they're like, if only. Dot dot dot, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and so yeah no it's funny though because exactly like you said like what are you gonna take out <laughs> like, you're gonna take out diabetes you're gonna take out hypertension like what are we gonna replace with um, yeah. financial literacy and like you said it doesn't apply for a long time so it's like even if you did and at the end of the day for a lot of doctors I mean you can learn so much and I mean the point of most knowledge for most doctors I mean is to have at least somewhat of a filter for what they're getting from like as far as advice goes or what they're reading or learning. Um, they're not likely going to say, I'm going to take this on full time to like really figure everything out. And even if they were to do that, eh, they wouldn't be able to implement it all by themselves anyway. So there's got, there's, I guess there's a sweet spot of knowing enough to know like what's good and proper and enough to filter out the advice. And the other thing that I recently, um, I think it was a resident said to me and they're like, you know what? Money is like really taboo. It's taboo in general. But like what he was getting at was like, he just felt like he was really in the dark around finances as, as a resident transitioning to physician. He's like, I'm just so in the dark because my colleagues aren't really talking about it. Mm -hmm. And he had to very proactively ask people, you know, he found the person that looked the most like he would look when he started practicing like a very similar work balance and number of patients and all this stuff. And he's like, can you just tell me, he's like, I know this is a personal question, but can you just tell me what life looks like behind the, behind the curtain? Like, what are you making? What are you keeping? Like, yeah. Can you actually pay off your debt? You know, what's going on?
1: Yeah. And I think physicians are more and more willing to share their, their lives and their realities with their students. Um, But I think finances is still something that is more taboo than other topics perhaps. We talk a lot about like work-life balance and what it's like to raise children while in medicine or balance academia and medicine, but the the financial aspect of something is not it's not something we is chatted about frequently between attending and uh, student.
0: No. No. And I mean, oh. cause like I had a client a month ago and she said to me, she like, she's like, Galen, I need to talk to you about, you know, investing and stuff. And she said, how much of my, you know, she's like, do you need to see my bank account to become a client? And I said, well, not necessarily. And she said, and it's funny cause no one had ever said this to me before, but I think a lot of people felt this way. She said, I would rather walk around naked than let someone look at my bank account. Um, and I just felt like, you know, it's a bit of a shocking statement, but I think it just put into perspective for me as an advisor who I'm like, I mean, you know, I, I feel like I'm a bit of a doctor in the sense that people come to me and they say things to me that they wouldn't say to anyone else around the things that they're worried about or the mistakes they've made and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the way that she put it, I was like, yeah, I think, and it just hit me like, oh wow. Yeah. People, cause I'm just so used to it. It feels very commonplace to me. Like, yeah, tell me that you've got $200,000 of debt. Tell me that you've, you haven't been paying it off or whatever. You know, I'm like, yeah. I'm, I've seen it before. <laughs> like, it's nothing new. Um, yeah. But, yeah that's fair and yeah. So, uh, let's see what else. So, yeah. And, um, I guess, yeah, I guess we've covered a lot of ground here. Um, (laughs) anything else around, yeah. I mean, you've given some really great advice, you know, for younger, uh, students or even for me like to to look at for that positive thing at the end of the day and take that time to have that like reading or something (laughs) to to top off the day and know that if you're going through a rough patch it's not always going to be like this that things will get better um i loved what you said about right now you have the most free time you'll have (laughs) for as a student of you know it's going to like enjoy it you know enjoy what what you have while you have it sort of thing um awesome um yeah so thank you so much for being on my podcast
1: no problem. Thank you for having me. It's been fun.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you. This is your host, Galen All, Thank you for joining me at A Clean Bill of Wealth, the podcast for Canadian doctors. I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to check out my free video series at galenhelpsdocs.com, where I debunk some of the myths around wealth generation for Canadian doctors. Take care and talk to you soon.